BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Spending some time reconnecting with nature this summer? Here's a camping hack from L.L. Bean to make your next trip the best yet. When putting together your gear, wrap a piece of duct tape around your water bottle. It's barely noticeable, but if another piece of gear breaks or tears, pull off your tape to make a quick patch or repair. For more camping hacks, visit youtube.com slash L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. Write that. Write that down for me, Satan. Write that down for me, Satan. Hi everyone, welcome back to Write That Down. I'm one of your hosts, Justin Nipper. I edit over at FightGameMedia.com. I'm a staff writer over at F4WOnline.com, WrestlingObserver.com. Today I'm back with Japan's leading pro wrestling historian and broadcast journalist and author and sociologist, Mr. Fumi Saito. Alright, today we talked about the history of modern junior heavyweight pro wrestling uh, in Japan and around the world. And we spoke quite a lot today early on about Tatsumi Fujinami and his initial impact on junior heavyweights and how they're perceived from 1978 or so onwards. Uh, we, of course, talked about Tiger Mask and Dynamite Kid. Later, the top of the Super Juniors tournament, which turned into the best of the Super Juniors tournament from 1988 on. Uh, we also talked a lot, of course, about Jush and Thunder Lager's influence uh, junior style of wrestling from when he started out until geez, until now pretty much alright let's get started and he really opened that you know room and uh, division for rather smaller size wrestlers that happens a lot in Japan you know like a 5'6 five, 5'7 five, five, 5'8 and 80 kilos, 90 kilos, like you're talking, 175 to 180, 190 pounds, I mean, under 200 pound wrestler. And uh, they do have their own style, obviously. And uh, yeah, like w- when I was a little kid, that uh, smaller guys cannot be wrestlers, you know? And Liger pretty much changed it, you know? Yeah, that seems like it was, you know, when we were growing up, it was the, the focus was on the heavyweights. Of course, always, always. It's the main event. It, it's the it's the best of the best. Uh, anything else is. And also, you as... you grew up in upstate New York that it's a heavyweight kingdom. Oh my you know? gosh! Yeah, I mean, the, yes. everything since is since Bruno Bruno San Martino to Superstar Billy Graham to even Bob Backlund, you know, mm-hmm. or today's standard, he he was big guy. Then Hulk Hogan, of course, and his all his opponent, big guys. So yeah. the idea, the idea of a, oh, professional a wrestler. wrestler, yeah, it's like you just have to reset the 
the psychology behind it. <laughs> yeah, but it was not like there was no junior heavyweight division or junior heavyweight heavyweight world championship in America. If you remember NWA, National Wrestling Alliance, you know the world heavyweight title is like has always been or not always, but about 30 year period. NWA world champion was the closest thing to undisputed world title. And there was always junior heavyweight, NWA junior heavyweight title in America and based in, in, in Oklahoma, Danny mm -hmm. Hodge. Oh, that, uh, that the blind uh, promoter, Leroy McGark was junior heavyweight champion. Then got in the car accident and then he lost sight. And, but the NWA allowed him to keep NWA World Junior Heavyweight title in his territory, Louisiana, Mississippi, uh, Oklahoma, and like mid, you know, deep, deep South territory. And Danny Hodge, two-time Olympic champion and also former professional boxer. And pretty much Danny Hodge's size, today's standard, he could have been heavyweight too, you know? Mm -hmm. But uh, he was some... I don't know, uh, three-time world NWA World Junior Heavyweight Champion in in, in like a 15-year period and pretty much retired uh, with the uh, with the belt. Then you had people like Ken Mantell, if you remember, and uh, Les Thornton, yeah, mm -hmm. and in between people like you know Roger Carby or some yeah, and that uh, Ron Starr maybe yeah. And also when Florida, NWA Championship Wrestling from Florida, they when they wanted to revive the uh, NWA Junior Heavyweight title, they had Steve Kahn, younger Steve Kahn, uh, Mike Graham, of course. They and also sent from Japan, sent Fujinami to Florida to compete in, in Florida's Junior Heavyweight Division. And uh, yeah, it was a very interesting time that uh, Fujinami first became superstar, that main event superstar in January, I believe, in 1978, that around the same time that the Bob Backlund era began. Yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah. He, I mean, almost out of nowhere. So he was, you know, touring Mexico and then he had short run in North Carolina and all that, but uh, he wasn't all that famous yet, but uh, he appeared, <clears throat> made appearance at Madison Square Garden and beat Jose uh, Estrada to win the WWF, then the WWF, uh, junior heavyweight title and introduced Dragon Suplex. Now it's not that you know uncommon, but uh, back then, see, German suplex was the hardest move to do, right? But he introduced Paul Nelson into German suplex, the dragon suplex, and beat Estrada for the title. And he was televised in Japan. And 24-year-old Tatsumi Fujinami came back, and he was the, the overnight superstar main event. Very interesting, huh? And I think if, you, if you're familiar with Fujinami, I guess for his, his wrestling after... Like oh, like a Fujinami against Ric Flair? Exactly. Fujinami versus yeah. Flair or Fujinami versus Inoki, 1988. Sure. That was a... Fujina yeah, Fujinami against Choshu in Japan. Yeah. Th I mean, those are, of course, they're important matches. They're good matches. But what we're talking about today, the junior heavyweight Tatsumi Yeah, Fujinami. initially, Fujinami was a key person who introduced the, the uh, junior heavyweight division. 
Of course, heavyweight division, Inoki's one man show, big star, superstar, the guy, you know. But uh, every night, every, not every night, every Friday night, eight o'clock, prime time, World Pro Wrestling TV show on TV Asahi. The, when the show begins, like eight o'clock, it was Fujinami people watch. You know, Inoki mm-hmm. wouldn't come out till like eight forty. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was the opening yeah. act, but he was a, uh, he became a big part of of the new Japan. Yeah, yeah, show. and then then he has this distinguished, you know, distinctive, fast pace, um, real high standing drop kick, and he was the one introduced Tope into into Japanese market. You know, now that the you know Seth Rollins, uh, everybody does Tope. Not everybody, a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? Most most you see it all the time. Big or small, yeah. uh, any yeah. Any then you run run across the rope and fly between top rope and second rope. Fly through it and and give big crossbody uh, uh, people outside. You know, this is just sensational. You know. And the way Fujinami did it, the, the way I recall is he, he was fearless from when he ran out of the ring yeah. into the... Then they just... didn't use the name Tope first. Tope is like pretty much Spanish Lucha mm. Libre term. Mm. And when he, when Fujinami started doing it, uh, we used to call it Dragon Rocket. <laughs> dragon Rocket, yeah. I mean, it really, yeah. it, it was... Uh, yeah, dragon, with... Fujinami's Dragon Rocket. You know, that the leg sweep, Dragon Screw, you know. And uh, even uh, the way he s- stands on the, uh, the, the turnbuckle and just walk, you know, jump onto the you know, uh, ring, dragon ring in. <laughs> <laughs> and a dragon sleeper, of course, a later, little bit later on. Mm-hmm. Anything that was, was original with Fujinami, they put dragon on it, uh, like a signature name, you know? He even did the, did the song later on, Macho Dragon. Oh, Macho Dragon song? He sings it too, though, you know? <laughs> kind of like a uh, rap almost. Uh, yeah, he, singing, talking. You can find that uh, dragon, that the uh, Macho Dragon song on YouTube. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He just type it, in though. Tatsumi Fujinami Macho Dragon. It'll come up everywhere. Pink jacket yeah, and yeah. everything. Yeah, right, right. There was a couple of those that not just Macho Dragon, but the Dragon Suplex, and a couple three times he sang. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and I- also Junior Heavyweight Physique, but. Uh, you know, simple, plain black trunks and black boots with white shoelaces. Mm-hmm. He came off like a, almost like a mini Antonio Inoki mm-hmm. in his prime. That's what I was just thinking. Yeah, he, he came yeah. up. He was, the same, he was like a disciple of Inoki, too. So Oh, definitely. Same... definitely. Oh, he started out in Japan pro wrestling at the age of 15. But when Inoki left the old company to form a New Japan pro wrestling in spring of 1972, Fujinami and Kotetsu Yamamoto and uh, Fujinami, Kotetsu Yamamoto and Osamu Kido were the only ones. Uh, three guys, including Inoki, four, four wrestlers, that's it. Then Katsuhisa Shibata, of course, he's the father of Katsuyori Shibata, and, and uh, Kitazawa, the two wrestlers, Inoki's disciple, of course, came back from Mexico, altogether six wrestlers. Then Toyonobori came out of retirement for one year. So they still had just seven wrestlers when they started New Japan. And Fujinami at the time was, what, 60? Yeah. Very, and, and he then, always had that youthful look, too. He looked like a younger Inoki in ways. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Well, now that uh, he's like, what, 66, 67 or something? Mm-hmm. It's just hard to imagine him being that. I mean, I, I shouldn't say old, but like I've been watching him since he was, what, 20? Yeah, his whole life. 
<laughs> Even yeah. till recently, he was at Tokyo Dome, I think, this year, or he was at a. Uh, he just worked. Uh, uh, oh, the, the, he had the COVID, so he canceled yeah, COVID. it. But the, he he made the appearance, and also at the oh, the, the very time timing, you know, timely topic. This year's New Japan Best of Super Junior Tournament at the final night, Fujinami will come in and present the trophy to the winner of the tournament. Oh, look at that! What a coincidence! Yeah, that's pretty good, huh? I mean. Hmm. Legacy, the legend, you know, and uh, it's you know you, you always should honor like you know Hall of Fame wrestler like baseball do that right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's a good thing. And I, like you said, he opened up the room for for that style of pro wrestling. It, it really it's it's yeah. hard to explain, but you gotta you gotta watch it for yourself. How fast paced it was yeah, compared like to everything. 1978 Fujinami, 1979 Fujinami, 1980 and 81 until he switched to. Uh, heavyweight division, which was spring or summer of '82, but the Tiger Mask was already there. The original I, I, Tiger Honestly, Mask I think uh, Dynamite Kid and Tiger Mask, we th his their matches were fantastic. Everyone knows that, but I really think that Fujinami's matches with Dynamite Kid are almost yeah, Fuji, as good. The, They're very, very, very. Initially, good. Dynamite Kid had programmed with you know young junior heavyweight Fujami. Yeah, people like, not just Japanese smaller wrestlers, but people like Chavo Guerrero Classic, not the classic then, but the Chavo Guerrero, mm -hmm. and his brother Hector Guerrero and Mando Guerrero, uh, wrestlers from Europe, uh, oh, the Mark Rocco, uh, the, uh, of course. Uh, oh, he wasn't there. Uh, quite a few, like, uh, the, the junior heavyweight, American wrestler or wrestlers from Mexico, of course, uh, from Puerto Rico. Yeah, uh, the names are some names are escaping or the wrestlers from from L.A. Um, like uh, uh, the other one, but the Tony Rocco, his name was, mm -hmm. uh, of course, junior heavyweight version of Roddy Piper as mass Canadian. He, he was here as Fujinami's opponent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, then some some names are escaping, but uh, one by one, see, you being junior heavyweight champion, you just cannot have one or two opponent, right? Tour after tour after tour, that you will be defending your junior heavyweight title. Or like a people like Raul Mata, yeah, from California, and uh, uh, did he ever, Greg Goliath. Did he ever yeah? spend time wrestling um, uh, the Cobra? George no, George Takano Cobra was a rookie then. Okay. It wasn't even yeah, it wasn't even gone to Calgary or anything yet, right? So he was two years. The, so that was a little yes, bit yeah, later, yeah. A little bit later, yeah. Fujinami, or even people like Hiro Saito was carrying Fujinami's ring costume. Wow. You know? Yeah. That's hard. That's hard <laughs> so to, it's to always imagine. interesting. Yeah, well, it's always interesting to watch New Japan's real old tape from like 1979, 1980, 81. Who's on 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 a New Japan top bottom, you know, you know, jerseys, and and who's seconding in, in the ring, like real young Akira Maeda, real young Nobuhiko Takada, or Junji Hirata before he was strong machine. George Takano before he was what, the Cobra. You find all these people, or even. Young killer come, Masashi, you know, o Ozawa, you know, almost incognito. Oh, it's noticeable, he's big, but uh, it's really interesting. 
And、mm. also, I think it made Inoki's heavyweight division special too, because、uh, every Friday night, you know, primetime New Japan Pro Wrestling TV show, World Pro Wrestling, that、uh, you watch fast paced Fujinami's, you know, that、uh, drop toe hold into Japanese leg crutch hold, that、uh, the victory roll into bridge, that the tope, that the standing drop kick, this high, I mean, high. As high as your head,、uh, all these things. Then big guy comes in. Well, mostly Inoki against Tiger Jeet Singh or something. But、mm. uh, obviously bigger guys, you know, at the、like, uh, last half of the show. So I think it, it really made it interesting. And Fujinami's wrestling was fast and、uh, not quite as innovative. Oh, that's not the word. You see, when Satoru Sayama original Tiger Mask came along, it, everything was so. I don't know, original and different and, and spectacular.、Sure. Yeah, but、uh, Fujinami wrestled like a wrestler's wrestler. He wrestled you know, in a traditional <clears throat> way, but at you know, 150 miles per hour. Right, like a collar and elbow tie up, lock up to side hackers, side hackers spin into your hammerlock, hammerlock to takedown, takedown to this and that. You know, just, oh, this is a, what we call, like some people call it chain wrestling today, right? But,、mm. uh, They were doing it so fast. I mean, he was doing it so fast, and also no fat and no body fat whatsoever. Right. You know? He he looked like a, you know he looked like a movie star kind of. He had the the hair, the body. He looked like a star,、uh, and he wrestled that explosive kind of way that completely. To- total baby face. Oh yeah. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Oh, one time,、uh, if they <clears throat> yeah, you can too, because that's in 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 New Japan World. Archive that、uh, Fujinami against younger Kanek.、Um, that、uh, Fujinami's that ankle or toe was hurt. Kanek、uh, uh, start, you know, taking、uh, Fujinami's ring boots off, you know, and one 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 of the shoes came off, and、uh, just white socks. And one shoe is still wearing. It looks really funny, but it、uh, looks so convincing. You know his ankle must hurt, right?、Hmm. And they do this spot so often now, so it's not that new. But I think I believe it was the first time they did this, and I, certainly my first time ever to watch. You know this high spot that Connect、uh, comes off top rope with big, huge crossbody.、Mm-hmm. Fujinami counters with standing dropkick in midair、mm. onto his jaw. Then that was a finish. That was very. I mean, we probably see that all the time now. But that, at yeah, the time, now that, that was... you know, like、A- AJ Styles' phenomenal elbow that the Edge, you know, counter with the, his running spear or something. That the, same idea,、mm-hmm. but、uh, real high crossbody of a connect and Fujinami's standing drop kick really high too, and it connects midair. And I. I At the time, I had never seen it, so I was like, "Oh!" and、uh, it was really, really spectacular, yeah, amazing. And, yeah, and then one po- and this match is also available, I believe, that the two out of three fall match,、uh, title match between Fujinami and Chavo Guerrero. First fall, Fujinami did the tope, and、uh, something happens, and, and the Chavo Guerrero moves, and he、uh, Fujinami dives onto the guardrail and gashes. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, and a big, big time juice. So he had to, you know,、uh, wrestle second fall and third fall all bleeding and really convincing when you put the 
bloody Fujinami putting abdominal stretch on uh, Chavo Guerrero, he's bleeding onto Chavo Guerrero's stomach. <laughs> oh my God, the photographers must have been going crazy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, can you can you picture that? Yeah, just the perfect intense shot. Yeah, that, I think that was one of the things that defined uh, Fujinami was not not like you said the innovation that Tiger Mask and Dynamite Kid more emotional, emotion, energy, like Inoki. his comeback. Yeah, his comeback because he is not. Uh, he doesn't sell like he's a toughest guy. You know, he's a good wrestler. But the total baby face, pretty much selling two thirds of the way, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, he does bad thing, and then he just takes it, takes it. And then at the end, end of the second fall, or third fall, oh, a lot of the matches were still two and a three fall match late late seventies. They they switched to you know one fall, which is okay. But uh, towards the end of the match, he gets so angry and uh, ask the crowd, uh, can he use? You know, close fist punch. You know, ask. Mm. I mean, people have to allow him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, punch him out, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> until is it okay? then, yeah, because until then, you know, the close fist is illegal. Hold, and it's just like non-verbal communication was still there. It was really interesting. You mm -hmm. know, I, I was, yeah, I got into it a lot. You know, and is also, it? yeah, Inoki much older than kid, right? In his thirties, so, but. The, I think younger fans, like I was in high school, so I could relate to, you know, Fujinami's match a lot better, you know? NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket. Now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. He was very only like easy to feel like a sympathy for, and very easy to connect with all the energy. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, then Dynamite came in. You know, like twenty-three-year-old Dynamite kid before Tiger Mask. You know, program. It was Fujinami against. Uh, Dynamite Kid. Actually, the first meeting of Fujinami against Dynamite Kid took place in Calgary. See, every summer, New Japan top talent like Inoki, Sakaguchi, Fujinami, and whatnot, like two or three people, they had tour uh, to Calgary, you know, for like a know, five, six, seven year period that they had Inoki against Stan Hansen in Calgary, and there was Dynamite Kid against, against Fujinami in Calgary. And this, at the time he was over 70, I'm sure that the Stu Hart father, Stu Hart said, that was the best match I've ever seen. That covers a lot of ground, don't you think? I think so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're talking like 1940s, 1950s, 1960s, and 1970s, all the way to 1979 or something. But the Stu Hart said, that was the best match I've witnessed in, you know, uh, it's just like, wow. Yeah, that must be a real good match. Mm. Then that 
the following tour, Dynamite Kids start coming over. And uh, this, you and I talked about that, that the Calgary style and New Japan style, hard hitting, you know, you know, contact, you know, full contact wrestling, very similar, huh? Yeah. And uh, and also, Dynamite Kid with that size back then, with the five eight, five nine, and probably 160, 170 pounds at most. He couldn't gone to any other territory because he would have been too small, right? Right, like we were talking about, it just wasn't the uh, the time. Yeah, because wrestling was for heavyweight people or big yeah. people in America and Canada, and maybe in Mexico. Yeah, you know, middleweight, light heavyweight, all these things. But uh, but Canada, uh, Dynamite Kid was allowed to do that. Uh, who discovered Dynamite Kid? It was Bruce Hart, uh, older brother of Brett and Owen. Bruce Hart had toured England in Europe and pretty much not discovered, but kind of discovered Dynamite Kid, Tom Bullington. And uh, this great wrestler I found and talked his father into bringing Dynamite Kid in, into Canada, you know, and to Calgary. He's going to be instant Dynamite sensation. His name is Dynamite Kid. Then, uh, okay, bring him over, right? Then when Dynamite Kid showed up in Calgary, like, 160 pound dynamite kid i'm talking about Stu Hart looked at him and said is this guy a wrestler <laughs> you know i mean in his book it had to be killer to kamata he had to be archie goldie the stampa he had to be king Curtis, you know or king uh, king Curtis or abdur the butcher calgary too had all those heavyweight you know bloody heavyweight heels you know but uh but let him wrestle right then uh just after a few matches, yeah, the dynamite, young dynamite kid matches were convincing enough. Uh, they convinced old, you know, daddy Stu Hart, right? This is like something that I don't even know about. That uh, let him do it, right? Then, mm. uh, yeah, pretty soon, dynamite kid changed the face of uh, Calgary style. Bret Hart just get you know get uh, get getting out of high school and he Bret Hart went to college a couple of years but in the meantime he wrestled too. These every single brothers you see eight brothers and four sisters twelve kids right, mm -hmm. eight brothers all wrestled one time or another and four sisters married to wrestlers one time or another and Bret started out as you know referee or building in the ring or or selling, you know, march at the concessions, did everything. And uh, eventually he knew he was going to wrestle, you know. But, uh, yeah, it, it's almost like an urban legend. But the original ladder match, I mean, ever to take place was in Calgary. It was Dynamite Kid against Bret Hart. It could be, you know, th there's some different theories to it, right? who started a ladder match, you know? Mm -hmm. And when you say ladder match, it's always Shawn Michaels against Razor Ramon. You know, it's the most famous one. But the uh, ladder match idea was there in late 70s into early 80s. And it could be, you know, it could be somebody else. But the first famous ladder match in America or North America was Dynamite Kid against young Bret Hart. Yeah. Then after a while, young David, David Boy Smith, 
that mm-hmm. British Bulldog, when he was 20, came over to Calgary. And then and, uh, a high school student, Chris Benoit, watching Dynamite Kid, that he started right out of high school. And then we, and young Brian Pillman came in from Ohio and then stayed at Stu's mansion. And uh, they became wrestler, and a lot of smaller people. It, it did open, you know, o- open the division for smaller size wrestlers in America too. So junior heavyweight is an interesting thing. Yeah, it seemed like if they didn't have the size, they had to have a certain level of athleticism. And, and also junior heavyweight size, they are. Uh, better athletes in general <laughs> right so the big yeah, difference yeah. i think especially if you're watching wrestling a lot of you know 70s 80s 90s there was a when you would see the junior heavyweights especially like the ones we're talking about today the pace would change completely it was really right, significant right. it was really easy to notice on the show uh even yeah, up yeah, to like yeah. the nitro days when you would watch the and also the, today's kids even today's kids or the kids from 90s and kids from 2000 that they watch these people and say i want to be a wrestler right very much so very much yeah. because this was also before uh you know avengers movies or or, or things right. like that this or was like in back in 1990 or 89 oh 90 that uh, high school student chris benoit watched owen hart and said i want to be a wrestler Mm. <laughs> so it was Chris Jericho too was initially heavyweight, not the heavyweight, but the junior heavyweight size, mm-hmm. not exactly tallest guy, and and he wasn't all that big, and he was considered junior heavyweight, yeah, first. And so I think it, was, uh, it seems like the junior heavyweight uh, wrestlers in the 80s and the 90s are sort of forced to be a little more creative in their matches, a little more unique to stand out. And a little bit more high, high spot oriented. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Because there right. wasn't going to be a, a place for them on the show of, as, with regards to like a story. They're not going to be in any angles or anything. This is just the opening, uh, you know, Yeah, but show. now that the, you're talking about, see, like, okay, let's take uh, New Japan as an example. It's a whole division now, not just one or two guys, you know? Right. You know, you have Hirom, so Hirom Takahashi, the, you have Desperado, you have Ishimori, you have Fantasmo, that you have, this time, you got uh, Francisco Akira from Italy, that you, back the, the, a few years back, the Kushida was a key person, but he was on his way to WWE, but uh, well, a lot of people were, you know, if you see the winner of this best best of Super Junior of the last ten years, that it was a key person, like Prince David, uh, you know, before he was Finn Balor, and uh, yeah, so Ricochet before he went to WWE. So this is a whole division, not just two or three guys, but uh, six, always seven, eight, nine, ten guys. I don't want to say mid card, but uh, like right in the middle of the show, that the junior heavyweight division is there. Junior heavyweight tag team champions, junior heavyweight singles champion, and the whole division of it. In, in back to Fujinami, it was Fujinami and his opponent. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, like back to the Danny Hodge, 60s into mid 70s, NWA World Junior Heavyweight Champion. He was traveling champion and not necessarily the flying guy. You know, like a crossbody flying wrestler and actually giant baba's old japan had world junior heavyweight title too remember Mm -hmm. oh still do today and initially it was 
ヤングジュニアヘビーバージョンのアツシオニタ、プログラムのゲンスチャブ・グレーロのスイッチサイドのニュージャパン、and Hector Guerrero that、uh, yeah, had his own opponent。and in the 90s、all Japan's junior heavyweight champion was Masa Fuchi。Mm. That's a heavyweight guy. You know, <laughs> real tall heavyweight. Don't you think? But that was、yeah. Giant Baba's idea. But yeah, kind of echoed、uh, the, what the NWA idea of the junior heavyweight style of wrestling was. It was just another version of、uh, heavyweight NWA style wrestling. Yeah, yeah, but it was a definition that,、uh, right, junior heavyweight division under 210 pounds or something like that.、Mm-hmm, And、mm-hmm. uh, Masa Fuchi against Joe Malenko or something. Mm-hmm. The classic wrestling, though, but it,、uh, if you watch Fujinami's junior heavyweight matches or the Tiger Mask, Kuniaki Kobayashi, you know,、uh, or Dynamite Kid style junior heavyweight match, it was like, huh, huh. Hmm. You know, this is a little bit different, you know? It's like,、uh, it's like comparing、uh, classical music to rock music. Or country music, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Masafuchi,、uh, the Mighty Inoue, the. A little bit later on, Yoshinari Ogawa, or we、mm-hmm. even had the Mr. 6 30 p.m. that、uh, Yosh- Momota, yeah. And、uh, but not many. The, in the 90s, it was like a champion Yoshinari Ogawa against young Rao Van Dam or something.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was never Danny- a main focus on the show, unfortunately. Right, right. That,、uh, I guess. John Bob wanted, wanted to keep it that way, huh? Probably. Yeah, I mean, it was the, it just seemed like the tradition. It, it kept with uh, uh, traditional pro wrestling、uh, expectations. The junior heavyweight, it, it's just another part of the show, but it's not the main attraction. Right.、Um, And also, when Misawa was Tiger Mask,、uh, you know, second Tiger Mask, you know, Misawa, Misawa was a Tiger Mask, but、mm-hmm. the, he didn't really wrestle like original Tiger Mask, you know? No. It's like almost too tall to be Tiger Mask, you know? Too big. And、uh, not so.、Um, gra- I mean, he was graceful, but not like a martial artist. Like, he looked like a pro wrestler. Yeah, and then tall and good sized body. It just, hap- just so happened to be wearing Tiger Mask costume or something, right? Yeah. He yeah, was much useless- bigger than the original <laughs> Tiger Mask. And the useless trivia is, though. Original Tiger Mask Satoru Sayama only did it a little、uh, less than three years. You know, two years and n- eight months or something like that. You know, not even three years. Misawa's Tiger Mask actually lasted over five years. Did、oh, you know that? That's right. Yeah. Most of his like, rookie <laughs> days were spent、yeah. as Tiger Mask. Yeah. It was yeah, like a poor guy that the people almost resented the idea to have the same costume Tiger Mask after Sayama quit, right? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't Misawa's fault at all. It was Channel 4, Nippon TV's idea to have Tiger Mask on your,、uh, on your roster. And Baba said, okay, Misawa can do it. And then he said, you know, the, the Misawa had to do it, sort of. And,、uh, but then again, he was hidden under mask. You know, Misawa was hidden under Tiger Mask for a five year period. He was ready to be main event guy and he was ready to be heavyweight. And just as soon as Tenru left for SWS in 1990, did you know it was only four days after four days after Tenru left for SWS, Misawa took the mask off? Hmm. Yeah, just four, four days off. I mean, after. So either plan was made or it was the spirit of the moment thing or just Misawa and Giant Baba was kind of a. Testing the timing of it, 
And there was no you know, better timing than that night that the Tenru and his guys left. And Jumbo and you know that the more conservative babyface side it was still with AW. I mean, uh, all Japan, and it's like they had to do something that night. You know, the beginning of the new tour, and it was just as Misawa take you know start taking the Tiger Mask mask off kawada was behind it and he was like taking that sh- not the shoelaces but what do you call it that the strings off yeah, the laces head. yeah laces off and say, do it do it let's do it let's do it and then he grabs his mask and misawa throw it around you know into the crowd so dramatic people mm. were ready to get <laughs> get rid of that mask mm. altogether I, yeah. the timing it was perfect yeah and misawa looked so. really I angry so. when he threw the mask too he had a lot of yeah uh, yeah it's like i'm free you know like roger daltrey you know <laughs> <laughs> you, you must think? have been really busy that week between oh, tenru I and didn't really yeah i didn't really attend tenru's opening press conference or something like that mm. yeah other yeah other guys went you know yeah i uh I had a lot to do with American wrestlers. <laughs> mm. Which, and uh, I guess we're, if we're talking around the time of you know mid '80s right now in America, junior heavyweight, it still wasn't really a thing. It just wasn't. You wouldn't see it much. It wasn't. No, it wasn't. But uh, uh, bits and pieces. Original when original Tiger Mask Satoru Sayama traveled to uh, WWF territory, mm-hmm. you know, a couple, couple, three times, short period of time. But he was there for like uh, three or four weeks. But they taped five TV shows at the time. If you remember, original Tiger Mask against Masa Saito, you mm-hmm. know, yeah, on TV taping and. Uh, yeah, Masa hated the idea that, that the videotape will go to Japan, you know, <laughs> <laughs> him, him putting Tiger Mask over, when he, which he had no trouble with in America, but would this tape will go to Japan? Huh, mm, huh, you know, <laughs> and there was an interesting matchup the, in, in uh, like 81, 82, uh, original Tiger Mask Satoru Sayama against young Eddie Gilbert, uh, young Kurt Hennig, yeah. And uh, yeah, and also, of course, they brought the match together that the Tiger Mask against Dynamite Kid at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. So that was like completely Tiger Mask style matches, you know, that uh, you have to have people witness that live. Yeah. Yeah. Were you it, there? Or, I mean, like, uh, were you aware of that then? Or was it before your time? Well, as soon, you know, the deeper you get into, uh, pro wrestling like just beyond the surface fandom i think yeah. most people are first introduced to that series of matches tiger mask ah. dynamite kid i think that's one of the first things put into your face so if and you haven't seen 80, anything, 82 82 83 when everybody started buying vcr right exactly yeah it was a, it was the, the if tape not traders. yours your parents it. <laughs> you know? it was the tape traders uh you know oh, the, one of the, the beginning of tape trading era you you had to have if you had a collection you had to have that at least tiger yeah, mask against the, the basic like, yeah the question is which one they did that about 20 of them you know you had to find the tape what had all of them on there the compilation <laughs> tapes the bootlegs <laughs> it's a total bootleg yeah mm-hmm. yeah i had yeah, the two but... vcrs yeah i had, I had an angel fire site yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the most expensive one, it, the UWFI was the most expensive stuff, but the... And, oh, really? And the, yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, well, from my memory, over 20 did years ago. Did people think back, I mean, off the track, off the subjects today, but the, did like initial reaction to UWF International, UWFI, was that martial arts instead of wrestling? Uh, yes and no, it, depending on who depending on who was watching it and depending on uh like which market you're talking about because it was marketed right. like uh like pancreas yeah yeah it was marketed like it was um like an underground martial arts thing but if you were already a pro wrestling fan you might it's see... just stiff pro wrestling yeah because yeah. I mean, you're seeing guys like vader and i don't know dan yeah, that too. that too they, they, there were familiar faces uh that mm -hmm. people would uh, or even people like iron chic worked Bad News Allen, Bad News Brown worked, you know, but or John Tenta. Yeah. It was such a gray area still of what 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 exactly was it and what was MMA and no holds barred. So I right, think, and also some people said, well, it's real in Japan, right? Something like that, because <laughs> so, there were people that probably thought UFC was a work still. I mean, I, oh, it some was, people do. Some people it, did. Yeah, I mean, it's, around that time, it was so um, uh, uncultivated. It wasn't fully formed like right. it is now. Oh yeah, the first so, couple UFC they had ninjas. <laughs> yeah, they or, had uh, uh, you know, karate, people Kempo like Kimo. Karate. Yeah, yeah, they had um, Kimo or Tank Abbott. Yeah, uh, Emmanuel like Yarbrough, sumo. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Big sumo. I thought it was fun. I mean, that was an interesting time. You know. Well, now you know, everybody that style, same. that style, I think Pride and and Rising kind of took on that right, style. Right, 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 definitely. The freak it's show. Like, I don't want to say freak, yeah, freak show nature of it, right, right. I mean, that's why I, the Akebono versus Bob Sapp style booking. The, the... Oh, yeah, the, the work or shoot, they pretty, probably look the same, though. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> to be honest, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the thing with those, I mean, we, we are going off the subject a little, but the freak show style of booking, I mean, it, I guess it draws, but if there's if it's stupid and shallow and it ends up as a disaster, where does it go after that? Yeah, you know, but we're then seeing again, they the attracted wrestling fans in Japan anyway. It did. Wrestling or not. And it really brought uh, wrestling to a big peak, uh, probably uh, into the dark no, ages. No, no, the dark ages, because... MMA people are running basically wrestling shows in bigger budget. It kind of like took the place of pro wrestling. It had the pro wrestling presentation at the time. At the time, yeah, yeah. And then, and then people like you know Yuji Nagata, Kendo Kashin, those people participated in, in Pride or K1 fight and lost, you know, and uh, that was bad. Yeah, because people thought of wrestling a certain way after that. Yeah, at least New Japan wrestlers are so good, mm. right? Yeah. But mm -hmm. you shouldn't have gone in a MMA ring with two-day training or overnight training, you know? Yeah, now we know that. Now yeah, but know. I have to defend, especially Yuji Nagata. You know, recently I asked him how he felt about it, and he's such a good man that he's glad that was him, not anybody else. Mm. Yeah, did it. And then uh, other people like Tanahashi Generation and on, they didn't have to do it. He uh, he took one for the team. Did he did he elaborate on that? Did he say anything else about that? Uh, you know that that was the thing I wanted to ask. You know how do you feel about that? And then how how did you feel about it then? How do you feel about it now? That now he feels that uh, uh, it, I'm yeah, he's glad that was him. You know, hmm. and it wasn't that bad. He said, <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, it's like some somebody yeah. had to be a stepping stone. I suppose that's really a, a humble, oh, oh, humble, oh, way real of, humble. 
Yeah. Yeah. And uh, 55-year-old, you know, Yuji Nagata still wrestling professionally to this day. Yeah. yeah. On cable yeah. television in America. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Blue Justice. Yeah. He's still there. Yeah. So I have a lot of respect for that guy. Yeah. Did you know that the uh, if you're familiar with Sonic the Hedgehog series and the new movie, uh, Sonic's alter ego, his name is Blue Justice. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Ah, it must, Very it must be uh, Pro Wrestling's influence. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Back to New, okay, back new to Japan's junior heavyweights. Junior heavy, especially, you know, we, we talked about All Japan's interpretation of, or Baba's interpretation of junior heavyweight division, but the New Japan took the, the, the completely different approach, starting with Fujinami, then original Tiger Mask, then you have Liger, the longevity superstar. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first, you know, junior heavyweight tournament was 88, won by Shiro Koshinaka. You know that he was still junior heavyweight then, and the people like Hiroshi Hase was still junior heavyweight. And following year, the second year, top of the super junior that uh, Nobuo uh, Honaga won. You know that the Choshu group. You know the heel guy. But they that winning top of the super junior tournament made Honaga uh, very the, the believable that the top of junior heavyweight division at, at the time. Yeah, then introducing you know Liger and then the Pegasus Kid, later on Wild Pegasus. Of course, you know that does uh, Chris Benoit, but that's that's another story for another day. But so they did the. Uh, then you you introduce uh, Black Tiger, the second Black Tiger, of course Eddie Guerrero underneath, and uh, he was star in Japan before he was WWE superstar. So it's a very interesting thing. Like people like Dean Malenko, then early 90s part that uh, other you know companies uh, other than new japan you have michinoku pro wrestling or tenru's war the, or you know different company fmw or hayabusa was junior heavyweight first and a lot of new wrestlers were being introduced to new japan ring uh, while this while you're having this junior heavyweight tournament or one night tournament like uh uh, what was the name of it? Uh, Super Super J Cup, you know, mm-hmm. junior heavyweight tournament thing. That the, all the junior heavyweight people like Ultimate Dragon, Grey Sasuke, they came into New Japan Ring, and it was good for both sides. Yeah, it brought yeah, the whole a lot division of, uh, brought a lot of not just um, what's the word recognition to the wrestlers, but uh, to the idea of junior heavyweight wrestling. What is yeah, and then what when they be? had Super, Super J Cup tournament at the Sumo Palace, they only had junior heavyweight wrestling that night. No heavyweight. Nobody, I mean, like Ricky Choshu or Fujinami, nobody worked. It was first match to the main event. It was all junior heavyweight all night long. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. Yeah. And then, then there's like junior heavyweight fans. You know, I like this style better than a big heavyweight, you know. But uh, at the time you have people like Bam Bam Bigelow, the Scott Norton, the Big Bam Vader, the, all these big, huge heavyweight, you know. But the, the night of junior heavyweight, they showcased completely some, something completely different. So it's healthy for the business, I think. Yeah, it introduced a new style uh, of wrestling available to watch because you could go to these tournaments, you could also see like Michinoku Pro, which offered 
Japanese lucha libre. Mostly, mo- yeah, mostly junior heavyweight guys. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Or a- FMW had their own junior heavyweight division. Yeah, junior too. heavyweight division. Yes, and uh, WAR at the time, you know, Ten Rules Company, Ultimo Dragon, and his opponent, and people like Young Rey Mysterio, then Rey Mysterio Jr. or Negro Casas, or all these real. Junior heavyweight size luchador from Mexico were introduced as a as a Ultimate Dragon's opponent in Japan, which was like very healthy. Yeah, mm. something different. And also by having Liger as a focal point of New Japan's heavy New Junior Heavyweight Division, you create his rival and you know Wild Pegasus, like I just said, uh, the Black Tiger Eddie Guerrero. They brought in Dean Malenko, and you had. Uh, uh, El Samurai and Koji Kanemoto and young Kendo Kashin, you know, or Tatsuhito Takaiwa, the young Shinjiro Otani, they were all junior heavyweight. Yeah. Minoru Tanaka, yeah. And today's Tiger Mask, of course. Mm-hmm. Fourth Almost Tiger Mask. 20 yeah. years now. I guess, yeah. Oh, the, the, Gedo was working as junior heavyweight too. That's right. That's he yeah. was in that Super J Cup. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, this whole division of it, I mean, so many wrestlers, you know. So it's good to have this, you know, weight divisions, especially in Japan. No, I know there was the WC, that, yeah. Wasn't there a WC, tradition of a new New Japan uh, doing the heavyweight versus junior heavyweight? Uh, right, that meant something once a year. You know, heavyweight version of Liger going against somebody like Shinya Hashimoto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the one oh, I they, think. That of, made, yeah. Oh, that made real good main event. Yeah, mm. that night uh, when Liga had single match against Hashimoto, he took the costume off. I mean, then really showed the upper body, and people realized how big Liga actually was in his mm. upper body. Yeah, Battle like, wow. Liger. Yeah, yeah, it's like a, yeah, he can work main event. Oh my gosh, right? He was always a big. Uh, muscular dude he looked like yeah not, a, just not tall that's all he was like a japanese dynamite kid yeah so talented so talented yeah and d- unique too because uh, how he changed his style and how he created this division where he could be a star and he didn't have to be in the main event but he could still be a, a huge a part star. of the show and also i learned so, so much from his evolution that uh, that the last you know 10 years of wrestling you know like his wrestling career actually he didn't fly at all he no. just assumed he did <laughs> you know yeah. what i'm saying yeah maybe once one plancha or something but the entire night it was a karate thrust or low kick or some wrestling headlock takedown and uh the, the jabe that the mexican stretch and other things but he didn't really fly it just, you know, usually the other the opponents would fly. Right, that's right. So maybe yeah. in your head you would kind of yeah. Go off the perception thinking... and the memories of people's you know perception is an interesting thing. You know, just assumed like I was flying when when he wasn't. Yeah. His matches but were pretty you know great smart and... worker though. Yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah. always adapted to to whomever he was in the ring with, which was really important. Over the years, yeah. Yeah, especially right. in the junior heavyweight division, when we're talking about uh, these tournaments with people from other wrestling oh, cultures, right, right, you're going to have to to have that ability to adapt really quickly too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
But all these, even after 2000, you had the Milano collection, AT, you know, that uh, Watari Inoue or somebody like that, or young Prince David before he was Mimbala, New Japan Dojo guy, or today's Ryusuke Taguchi, young rookie that uh, Taguchi, or well, he was gone quick, but uh, they introduced people like Loki. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could have been big, huge superstar in Japan, you know. Mm. Yeah. If when if he wasn't so political about it, you know. Right. But uh, if you remember Kushida's partner Alex Shelley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was uh, and, yeah. he was pretty popular as a singles junior heavyweight for a moment. He was yeah. He, he was yeah. in between uh, Kenny Omega and AJ Styles guy. I guess yeah yeah yeah. Then also the company like Dragon Gate always had a bunch of lighter guys, you know the middleweight, junior heavyweight, light heavyweight type wrestlers. And first Ricochet was discovered by Shima, of D- then Dragon Gate, and introduced to Japan. And Ricochet was like an instant sensation, you know? Not today's Ricochet, though, but uh, when he had freedom to do whatever he f- felt like, you know? Yeah. I think that's another thing we should probably talk about, too, is after... 1999 after 2000 after the split with all japan and pro wrestling know it we also saw um junior heavyweight centric companies like toriumon or dragon gate things or, or right right we would see... actually started like 98 though yeah mm-hmm. so like late 90s uh you would see you, you would have the opportunity to see just ju- junior heavyweight style wrestling that was that yeah, was and also you know, younger talents mentality too, you know, if wrestling company was just New Japan and Old Japan, it's really hard to go in, you know, get in, and you have to be young lion, you know, then then you do the dojo thing and the whole thing. But when Ultimate Dragon opened Torimon School in Mexico, it's like, uh, I mean, by now there's over 150 wrestlers who debuted from that school. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so uh, it also opened the uh, you know room for smaller guys. You know, today's Taiji Shimori, Tori graduate. You know, mm-hmm. or oh, even people like you know Baramon Shu and Baramon K. You mm-hmm. know, the, you know the funny guys, right? The twins. Yeah. They were from Tori Mon. Oh. Yeah. Okada. Uh, Yapeman. Oh, Kazuchika Okada! Oh my gosh, fifteen yeah. year old. Yeah, fifteen year old, right out of ninth, right out of ninth grade, Kazuchika Okada went straight to Mexico and debuted there. Yeah. So. So the very junior heavyweight style has really everything that we watch now. I think has, it, the junior heavyweight style of pro wrestling has had a huge impact on at anything, anywhere you go, anywhere you watch today. That. Right. Then maybe some people in America would probably think, you know, when when you when you when you watch junior heavyweight style wrestling, it's like, oh, that's Japanese style, right? Right. Sometimes, right. yeah. I think it's even to a point now. I think you see the main events of WWE. I mean, Seth Rollins. I think he he like anyone else because is actually different. he's two hundred eighteen pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, tall, real tall, but uh, he's not big, huge heavyweight like two fifty. Yeah, Seth Rollins is two hundred eighteen pound. AJ he Styles was the category twenty five differently twenty years ago, thirty years ago. <laughs> yeah, like a junior heavyweight guy, right? Right. Yeah. Or there was a time like a Kyle O'Reilly worked junior heavyweight in Japan too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting. Probably CM Punk would have been junior heavyweight here too. Then 
Shawn Michaels definitely. He's tall. He's tall. But He's uh, tall, Brian but... Daniel, yeah, Brian Danielson for sure, for sure. Oh, oh yeah. in fact, in fact, Noah Junior Heavyweight Title Match, Kenta against uh, Kenta or Maruhuji against Brian Danielson. Yeah, complete Noah style Junior Heavyweight. We should also talk about. This is just my observation. You can correct me if it's. I don't. This is what I, I feel like I saw, especially with wrestlers like Koji Kanemoto and especially Minoru Tanaka's incorporation of you know, shoot fighting, shoot wrestling, or mixed martial arts style into the high flying junior heavyweight pro wrestling style. Where with kicking pad. Kick pads and yeah. uh, grappling, but you would also see, you know, lucha libre style. You'd yeah, see and a little bit of moonsault here moonsault. and there. Yeah, yeah. And I. Yeah. I, I those two are the first names that come to mind and i think like like you said uh, kyle o'reilly i think he's uh, like a, almost a mirror of those of those ah right those style very wrestlers. much so very much so yes but, and i think so many wrestlers don't realize that the, the style it was just sort of cultivated only 20 years ago oh the influences are there you know if you watch the heavy guys like kevin owens he, I mean, not anymore, but he was wearing kicking Japanese kicking pad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, it Chris Jericho wears that. Yeah. Oh, Finn Balor still does that. And uh, yeah. So the kicking pad is, I've been to Japan, right? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. the look. I mean, even the Miz wears kick pads. Oh, that too. Right, right. So you can see, you know, the, you could track that back to UWF, but by the late 90s early 2000s you saw these guys like Minoru Tanaka because they're watching they're watching videotapes too so yeah mm -hmm. Kendo Kashin like we talked about earlier that is kind of that junior heavyweight also uh, the division gave wrestlers room to sort of experiment with uh, what could work and what wouldn't right. work without the big um high stakes of a main event angle. yeah basically smaller people had to do more in ring more grappling, more wrestling, more flying, you know, uh, than, than uh, I mean, big, per, you know, big people can almost get by with just very limited amount of moves, you know, unless you do the better sometimes. That's also wrestling. Yeah. What I find, um, I guess what's interesting to, to continue to watch is how, I don't know if it has progressed much in the past couple of years. You, because in the 90s, you would see from one year to another, you would see another crazy evolution of the style somehow. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. These days, um, you can watch a main event with stuff that you would consider junior heavyweight style from 20, 30 years ago. So is that style, is it still really a style? Huh. Or is but it just AJ, kind of AJ, like how the, the that's just how well, modern AJ, wrestling well, the is? For instance, AJ style hasn't changed. It just so happened that he's in heavyweight division. That's right. That's right. Yeah, he still works same with the someone same. like Seth Rollins, or same with um, I don't know uh, Adam Page. I don't consider him a, a typical heavyweight style wrestler. He he wrestles. <laughs> he does but shooting star more, presses off I the mean, apron. That, that closer to Kenny Omega school of wrestling, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi so innovative. So yeah, they just they put video game elements to it on top of it. So, but they also came from that junior heavyweight mentality or division. 
Yeah, do so many things in the ring. Yeah, do so much. And uh, another, I think, was special in the '90s over in America was WCW's cruiserweight division. Cruiserweight, they tried to copy that sort of, sort of, yeah. But they didn't give time in Monday Nitro. You know, when the cruiser division comes, that is when you switch the channel to Raw. That was <laughs> always, much. as a kid, that was always. My, I was the most excited about did, the first oh, hour. Did you? I loved because okay, okay. that was where you get the the wrestling, and then the second, right. third hour, you get so many interviews interviews or Not, you know, a bullshit match or or <laughs> something that furthers the story instead of you know i i was a kid i wanted to see the action and, and yeah, i loved and how when, they brought in so many different three talents. hours i felt so it was so long yeah, yeah. Well, it was exhausting but um <laughs> but uh but watching those cruiserweights or junior heavyweights uh back you they had a uh, access to a lot of great pro wrestlers uh at the time and that's where yeah, I saw a lot you, of... You always remember Liger against Brian Pillman, right? Hmm, sure. Yeah, yeah. Seeing like Liger that. or Ultimo Dragon, who became a regular right. there, or all of the luchadors that would show up, or... Right. Oh, they were so, they treated so badly. Hmm. It was, yeah. unfortunately, like you said... like Ray Mysterio was in there. Psychosis, yeah. you know, hmm. Psychosis was in there, you know. All these super talented junior heavyweight luchador in there but it's kind of mistreated right or lost in shuffle kind of thing yeah i mean it but, was what it was but it's still even despite all of that it still seemed to have a huge effect and a huge influence on yeah a lot yeah of... oh if you really sat and watched nitro the entire time mm. i think you can see the influence in the wrestlers today for sure of course they grew up watching it mm -hmm. so this is yeah. the the junior heavyweight influenced uh generation pretty much all over the world yeah every yeah. every kind of style of wrestling yeah then that uh new japan's best of super junior starts you know just started this week yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. i think it's on the third or fourth day right now so yeah yeah so let's watch it yeah that sounds good <laughs> so that, that i guess that wraps our uh, a brief history on the brief history of and also the the characteristic and uh, historical significance the meaning of it and the influence i think we covered it all not all mm. but uh pretty much yeah yeah so where yeah. can we uh ask you questions or send you comments yes send, me. Yeah, send me comments or questions fumihiko dayo on twitter fumihiko dayo f-u-m-i-h-i-k-o-d-a-y-o fumihiko dayo on twitter or just fumisaito on facebook please message me first and i'm at justin m nipper k-n-i-p-p-e-r on twitter that's it for now fumi take it away so long from Tokyo. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.